0: Hey everybody, welcome to another new episode of Undying Light. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and we are continuing our journey in the Gospel of Matthew. And if you've been with us for any amount of time now, we've worked through the first five and a half, six and a half chapters or so, Uh, we're just about to the end of chapter six now, And, uh, and then we will move into the famous judging others. So, that will be one that comes down the pipeline probably next Friday after this one. So, you can listen to these out of order. Uh, I don't recommend it because we often tie a lot of things together. So, if you are a new listener, then I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the intro episode on Matthew so that way you can get some context and then start from the beginning and work yourself through. Um, the first few chapters, and that way you can get a sense of what is going on here, where Jesus is in his ministry and all that. This is not a deep dive into, you know, Matthew's writing techniques and Matthew and his style or anything like that. It is simply reading the text and digging into it. There's some great books out there that do that, but that's not what this series is on. We are just going verse by verse through the Gospel of Matthew, and we are highlighting and digging into the the, the passages that deal with Jesus and those around him and this entire climate and culture that's going on. So we have thus far worked through a majority of the Beatitudes. We are getting very close to the end of it now. We just one more chapter after today's section to go through. And then we will move on to some of the other discourses that uh, Matthew records. He has five of them entirely in his gospel. And so we will touch base on each of those as we kind of move along. Today, we will beginning with chapter 6, verses 25, and we are going to look through the end of the chapter on not to be anxious, and so we will unpack this text and see what it is that uh, Jesus is commanding here. So, I had a teaching uh, setup, if you would, this morning before I recorded this episode, and uh, I had the privilege of going to... Uh, our retirement center here in town, and I, we preach a weekly devotional, and I do. Uh, I get three months out of the year that every Wednesday is mine in those three months. And so today, uh, February is my month, so today I go down there, 10 o'clock, preach for an hour, and we worked through the Beatitudes, and uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show or in this particular series, but one of the things that I've really come across with the Beatitudes themselves is how easy... It is for people to get lost in the laws and what would seem like Jesus is just kind of heaping on new commandments. So we have the Old Testament, which has the first five books often uh, titled uh, the, the books of the law or the Torah, the Pentateuch, books of Moses, however you want to address them. But in those books, we have the law given and then the rest of the Old Testament talks about the history of Israel and then the prophecies and that through the prophets and so a lot of people like to think that the Old Testament is nothing but law and then the New Testament has no law. But then they start to read the New Testament and they realize that there's a lot of commands that are being being brought forward. And so I wanted to, at least in today's teaching, I wanted to address this topic a little bit differently here in the Beatitudes and and, and really stress that this is not another set of commands or another new set of requirements or law that Jesus is giving. Yes, he is saying to do these things and to not do these things. But this is not a requirement for salvation for one, nor two, does it negate anybody's justification. And it's not something that we need to, you know, create this masterful checklist and make sure that we are strictly obedient to because we'll never live up to our expectations or the expectations of others around us. So the way I propositioned this text we looked at is this is now the reality of the Christian life. Everything leading up to Jesus' teaching was an accumulation of law and behavior. Now it's grace and mercy, and the behavior comes after the realization of the justification given to you by God. So that's how I would read the Beatitudes, not in a manner of doing this and that and the other, but, awesome, but I would read it in the manner of what Jesus has done for us and how we can freely live our lives. So uh, that's the text for today. We're going to, I'll read it here in a moment as we'll dig into this last section of chapter six, but I uh, just d- want to make a quick reminder for, you know, the show we are sponsor or listener supported. And so if you'd like to sponsor the show or become a supporter of the show, you can do so through, uh, you can do it through ACAST, which is the host of this platform. But You'll get more incentive through patron and all of the information is in the show notes as well as logos 10, which is a phenomenal piece of software. I use it on my phone all the time. I got it on my computers. It's a phenomenal study tool and that's for any person at any walk in their life. So check out that in the show notes. If you have any questions, feel free to DM me and uh, come join us on patron because that's where all the fun's happening. A lot of really interesting things coming down the line. Now that is, I'm, closing out my master's degree and, uh, going to have some exciting stuff spring and and summer months here coming. So it will be previous for the patrons only for a very long time before it ever gets released to the public, if it ever does. So, uh, that's that come and join us. And that would be, that would be splendid, but, uh, you know, there is no obligations. If you, enjoy this show, and you want to just help us by leaving reviews, then please do so, so we can um, continue to get the Word of God out into the world. And so, by all means, share it away, leave us comments and reviews on shows, and tell us which ones you like the most, and which ones you didn't like, and we will uh, certainly take that to heart and mind. So, let us get into the text at hand, and uh, see what... Jesus is saying, beginning of the 25th verse, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? And which of you by being anxious, can add a single hour to, his, to the span of his life. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies in the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spoil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed, arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day as it is its own trouble. So that is the... Message here that Jesus is giving. And uh, again, it's one of those that on the surface feels like there's some more commands that are being addressed here. And how can we as Christians cope kind of with this understanding? Because it is difficult, if you would, to sit here and say and and tell people, hey, don't be anxious. I know that the news is piping up a bunch of junk and they're telling you that we're going to go to war. And the stock market's crumbling and job market's not looking hot and banks are foreclosing on homes and cars are being repossessed and people are losing their jobs and food shortages and climate catastrophes and all this stuff. I mean, it, it it's pretty tough when everything around you is fear-mongering. And, you know, I, I just... I don't know. Maybe it's just me and my my stubborn age, but the more I read of these sources and then the the conflicting news and the conflicting reports that we get out of it, I I just I I have no desire to believe a lot of it anymore. Now, you know, do I believe like the egg shortage is a cause of just randomness? No, there's there's something behind it, and I've read articles that state that uh the grain fed to the chickens is actually causing them to not lay eggs so is that a potential probably uh, but then why are all of a sudden all these chicken factories and chicken farms if you would catching fire and hundreds of thousands of chickens being killed kind of seems a little little unusual to me that just all of a sudden and it's kind of been the way uh, it's been all year long with you know the animal barns and the processing plants and all that just randomly catching fire. It's like, this must be the year where everything just, uh, you know, crumbles in on itself and everything catches fire because that's the only rhyme or reason. There's no conspiracy theories. And if you do believe there is, then you're a nutcase and you should be locked away. But it's okay. If you think you have 15 genders, because that's normal. That's the society we live in, right? That is the, just the flat out re- ridiculousness of the society. There is no truth anymore. There is no objective morality. It is everything that I think and do. And everything that I think and do is is my truth. And you can't tell me how to live my life, nor can you tell me anything about my truth because it's guess what? My truth. And so that's the that's the the the, the premise, right? It's it's hard to to say as a Christian not to be anxious because All we have to do is look at the news, and everything's fear mongering. Even the conservative sites are really in on this, you know, fear mongering bit because it sells. People want the clicks; they want subscriptions. In fact, all you got to do is go to social media, and you're going to start. You know, if you search through like Christian prophecies, you're going to find all sorts of crazy stuff of people like going way out and trying to connect dots by doing all of these little somersaults around the text and then they're showing you oh this that and the other's happening um there is the text from revelation 9 with the drying up of the euphrates river and there are the people out there right now that are harping on the river because it's drying up and and they think that the the four the four horsemen of the apocalypse are about to be released well newsflash more than likely, they've already been released and they've been out doing wreaking their havoc. That's a. If you want to know more about eschatology, in my position, go back and listen to my whole series on eschatology. Uh, there's like fifty some episodes, but uh, that's the the fear mongering on the social media aspect. It's a just a fight or flight, do or die type thing. It's you know, li- listen to me and be a doomsday prepper or you're going to you're going to you're going to suffer. That's what it comes down to. And that's the that's the really terrible thing in my opinion that Christianity has kind of evolved into. And and we see it not just from Christianity, we see it from the from the secular world as well. And we see it from where the mindset is to push this agenda because it gets clicks. It gets reviews and people want that, you know, like a dopamine rush, if you would, of like feeling scared. They want the adrenaline to pump through their veins. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? You know, and it, it's it's exhausting. It is truly, utterly exhausting for Christians to have to just kind of deal with it. You know, the whole thing with the COVID came out, you know, in, in 2020 and we just kept producing episodes. We never really touched base on it, maybe but a couple of times here and there. But I noticed that there were even Christians that were, you know, super high strung on everybody getting the vax. And then there were Christians who were like, I don't need it because I'm healthy. I have no desire to have it. I, I you know, my blood panels are great. I'm in good shape. I am I eat right. I exercise regularly. If I get sick, it'll be you know, minor and those who did get sick, it was generally minor. But for those who had underlining health issues, then it caused problems. And it what, what what to me is exhausting is just the the amount of pressure placed upon the the COVID shot that it was going to save your life. And I'm you know what I venture to say this show pro the show will probably get pulled down just because I'm talking about it. But they had pushed the agenda that the COVID shot would fix your life. And so everybody just, you know, runs with that. In fact, there is uh, some skits made that were pretty funny making fun of the like White House and that during the time. And they're like, the COVID shot is 99.9% effective and you can go and live your life and do whatever you want. Nothing will ever happen. And then one week later, we know for sure the COVID vaccine is certain to protect you from COVID. Just be cautious. One week later, COVID has now given, or the COVID vax is now 80% reliable and it just keeps decreasing as time goes on. And they realize that it didn't protect you at all. It didn't stop transmission and it didn't protect you even if you had it. At best, all it ever did was lighten the symptoms on the earlier strains, strands. But my wife and I got it last summer and we got a late strand and basically it was just like a bad two or three day flu and we were tired and we had a cough and that was it. Never lost her taste, never lost her smell, never vomited or anything like that. Just very straightforward, you know, head cold type symptoms. We were tired. That was the biggest thing we were really, really tired in the middle of summer. Kind of bizarre, but... This is the issue that we have with this world. It is, it makes billions and trillions of dollars on fear and fear comes in so many different elements and so many different manners that it it really is hard for, you know, a person to to go through a, a day, week or month or year without feeling anxious over something, whether it's an upcoming trip or it's work and work issues or work events or work, uh, projects that you have to do, family events and family issues, whatever it may be, there's always something for us to hold our hat and be anxious about. And what Jesus is telling us right out of the gate is do not be anxious about your life. You don't need to sit here and fret over what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink. So he concludes this argument with verse twenty-five, therefore. So he's he's making a, a concluding statement that takes us back to previous passages. And this is essentially just a repeating of elements here. Taking everything that we said, you know, do not lay up your treasures, do not do this, do not do that. But just just don't be anxious. Just in all of it, don't be anxious. And don't worry about what you're gonna eat or drink. Don't what you're worrying about the clothes you're gonna wear. Because the body is more than that, and I like how he equates the framing or the 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 phrases of the birds here when he says, "Look at the birds in the air; they neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they?" Well, that's very true. You are, and you are not considered a beast of the earth or a fowl of the air or anything like that. You are a human made by God, you were created and molded in your mother's womb by the hand of God. you have been given breath by God, you are His creation, you are His child. So you have more value, more worth than the birds in the air. And so this is the interesting thing. this a lot of people would like to take this verse and, and really state that you know it doesn't this doesn't work, right? Because they're gonna they're gonna use like third world countries and they're going to, you know, why are there people starving and why do people not have clothes and things like that? And that's true. That's the that's the reality of the world. There are people starving. There are people starving in our own country. There are people who have very little clothes or no good clothes, and and elsewhere in the world they don't have clothes at all. There is that. But what we are hearing is pointing to the Christian. In Luther's small catechism and large catechism, he will go on to talk about how God brings rain to even the wicked and, and all that. And so God provides a what probably you reformed people would consider to be common grace uh, to the sinner, the unbeliever just as much as he does for the believer. But what the unbeliever doesn't do is he doesn't pray the Lord's prayer and ask for his daily bread. The believer, asks for his daily bread. And in Luther's small catechism, Luther goes on to talk about how the bread uh, is a representation of everything that we need in life, whether it's food, drink, clothing, spouse, money, property, children, all of it. It's all considered bread. It's what we need in our life to sustain us. And so do not be anxious about it, but instead you are to pray. And And Paul makes You know, kind of an arc on this one in one of his letters. He says, do not be anxious about anything but in everything with supplication and prayer. Give thanksgiving to God. And so that is the premise. Do not be anxious about anything but give thanks and praise to God. Look, if you're a believer in Christ, there's a good opportunity and probability in this world that you might face persecution. Especially if you are not in the United States. You have a higher risk of being persecuted overseas. If you are a Christian, you will experience that. There may be times when you don't have food and don't have drink and don't have clothes. Those are things that may happen. But what you are what what Jesus is getting at here is not just, you know, to pray and then this will just magically show up at your doorstep. It will come when you need it. And and if it's your time to go, then God will call you home. And that's the truth. And so we 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 get ourselves so kind of lost if you would in this kind of overarching mindset that clothes and food and things like will just show up at our door no in in most cases you, you got to work for it you know god will provide you the job if you you know or guidance if you would to the job but doing all these things will will ensure that and it's also a reiteration of what is said in verses 19 through 24. Don't go out and waste your money. Stop spending money on crap that doesn't do anything for you. And I'll tell you, being somebody in the fitness industry, this is a big issue for for people in the fitness industry. They buy supplements and they spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month on foo-foo crap. Stuff that doesn't do anything. Fillers and poor, poor ingredients. They don't, they don't, you know, examine the, the, the ingredient list and they scrutinize it enough. Obviously the supplement industry is not regulated. So there is kind of what they can do, whatever they want, but some of the better brands out there like, uh, advanced molecular, molecular labs, which is tagged in my show notes. You can get a 25% discount on your order. You can, uh, you can see the ingredients, you can read the reviews and they have wonderful articles on their website that talk about everything that they do and why what they do is, is good. And you can read through it and everything is scientifically measured. Everything is developed into this kind of, you know, into the concept of, uh, being beneficial. And now they have a ton of stuff that I don't take on a regular basis. I have a pre-workout and post-workout and a daily vitamin that I take. And that's generally the bulk of my supplements. And, you know, years ago, I would take, you know, pre-workout, post-workout, and then I would have whey protein, which I do have whey every once in a while, Uh, but I'd have this, that, and I'd take uh, CLA, I'd take glutamine, I'd take all of this other, all these other supplements and, in hopes of, you know, losing weight and getting bigger. And none of it ever really did anything. It's all placebo effect. And they actually have articles that talk about why some of these supplements just are flat out a scam. But for the supplement industry and for those who are athletes, this is a big problem. Even for Christians who are Christian athletes. They they put and pour in their money into, a, into something that isn't going to give them the return they think it will. Hard work, eating right, is going to do way more for you than a supplement ever will. So... Do not waste your money on foo foo junk, and be be cognizant. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a stab out here at you book nerds because I'm a book nerd. I love reading. In fact, I'm on my eighth my eighth my seventh I don't know one of those one of those along the way, and uh, I want to um, kind of just make this notion that you can spend a lot of money on books. And what is your to be read list look like? Mine just never seems to stop growing. And you know, is it is it a something good that we should be putting our money into? Eh, maybe, maybe not, right? But you are would be you would be putting money there when you could be getting a new shirt that you know you damaged your old one or you could be f- buying food for your house or your or your family or yourself if you're single. There's all these things to consider. Now, if you have your clothing and your food and your drink bills like, you know, perfect and you have it all controlled and then you have all your other bills taken care of and paid for. And you have, you know, you do tie a little bit of money to the church and you do give a little bit of something then, and you have extra money for savings and you save a little bit and then you have some spending money Then, by all means go and and enjoy life. Don't, don't live in a box. You know, there's so much great literature and art that's out there. Go and enjoy it. I love, and I, and I think reading about the only thing I would ever push, that I would not have a problem going into debt with because reading is just is one of the most profound things a human being can do. And one of the it's interesting, like when I was a kid and I would go to a store and I'd want a toy, my mom and dad would always say, No, your birthday's coming up or Christmas coming up or Easter's coming up or whatever it was coming up that they give gifts. But if I go into a store and I said, Mom, can I get this book? I was never told no. And and that really encouraged me as a young age to read Because it was the only, it was one of the few things that my parents never said no to. And so as my daughter's starting to learn to read now and she's growing up, when she wants to read and, and, you know, get into that, I will, I will be the first to, to help support that dream because it's, it's a beautiful concept for people. And it's one that's a art that's really lost in these days because everybody has a smartphone. And so everybody has, you know, audible, audible books, which I use when I'm in the gym uh, they have uh, Kendall's which I cannot stand and and or they don't even read and they just sit and scroll for hours and hours and hours on social media which thank the Lord, I have been essentially black blacklisted on Instagram because I just post once every couple of three or four days and I just don't care. I don't get on it. I check my uh, chat with a couple groups for the patrons and that. I don't, I don't sit and toil for hours. In fact, I've read, like I said, seven or eight books this month in just the month of January. Now, I'm slowing down a little bit because the book I'm on now is pretty hefty. It's about 700 pages. And my previous books were right in the 200-page mark. Uh, and then the book after this one is like 1,400 pages long. So I don't know if I'm going to tackle that one just yet, but it is it is enticing and intriguing. So, But what we get is this comparison of the birds to, to us. And I want to just read really quick as we touch base back on that. Luther writes this. He says he is making the birds our schoolmasters and our teachers. It is great and abiding. Dis- it is a great and abiding disgrace to us that in the gospel a helpless sparrow should become a theologian and a preacher. The second question compare. Uh, the second question compares the lesser to the great. Are they really that much better than us? That's the, that's the root of this all. If God is willing to support the sparrow, how much more willing is he support to support us? So don't do the things that the Gentiles seek after. Don't be lost in your greed for this and that. If you need to save your money, then do it. If you have a an ambitious purchase you want to make, like, you know, I was fortunate enough to get a couple uh, first edition Lord of the Rings books for Christmas this year, and I used some of my my Christmas money. I did not get any other gifts. I got like uh, maybe a couple of sweaters, but I didn't get anything else big. This was my big gift for the year, and I made sure that I had the money. And it, they weren't expensive. They're were fifty dollars each, so hundred bucks. But it it means a lot to me uh, to to get those because they're collectors. They're they're old and and they're beautiful. And that is what I really appreciate about being a book nerd is that you can go back and get some of these old vintage books for, for relatively inexpensive comparative to modern stuff. But anyways, don't go out and waste your money on foo-foo stuff. Don't sit here and fret because you wasted your last, you know, 50 bucks on a case of beer and a pack of cigarettes. And now you have nothing to eat for the next three days. Get your job, work your butt off and, and feed yourself, feed your family. If you are a husband, And a father, then you best be doing everything you can to earn your incomes. Get out there and work. That's all it takes. And so that's where we're going to kind of leave it um, because I've got uh, some plans for the afternoon that i got to go take care of. So I will leave you with this. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got its own problems. Focus on today. Focus on what you can control in the next half hour. Start there. Start small, 30 minutes, see what you can do. And then you move on to the bigger things in the rest of the day. That's all you can. Because you can't sit here and fret over something tomorrow is going to not, may or may not bring. And certainly no need to worry over yesterday because that's gone and forgotten about now. Focus on today, enjoy the time, and relish the time. If you have kids, put the phones down and sit with your kids. Learn with your kids, talk with your kids, play with your kids create memories with your kids. So that'll be that ladies and gentlemen, on uh, this week's episode. We will uh crack into the judging others next week and see how that lands for us, but uh it's Friday, so make sure you guys are in church on Sunday. I hope to see you uh there if you are a member of my church. I think I only have one member listening to this and he's probably behind so he won't hear it yet, but um I hope you guys do get to church and I hope you guys do get to hear the word of God preached. And I hope you are forgiven of your sins in that aspect because that's why Jesus came. So until next week, God bless, and we'll see you all later.